0: Hello everybody, welcome back. This week is Parashas Nasai, and we are going to start learning about the halachas of uh, using toys on Shabbos. And there are a number of different issues which can come up when using toys on Shabbos. Uh, there are questions of mukta there are issues of bayra possibly while playing the toy or, or with the toy or, or um, cleaning up. And there are other various malachas. So I'd like to dedicate a couple of shurim to learn through and investigate the different topics. So let's begin with a common toy, Lego, small Lego in particular. Lego has a possible question of baina, of building. Now, obviously, Lego is not connected to the ground, right? It's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not a building, uh, a binyan keva, as it's referred to in halacha. So nothing of that sort is being built, but there's another kind of baina, another aspect of baina, which is referred to as binyan b'kelem, building a vessel. Now, really, that's not the malacha of binyan, at least not the way we hold. In reality, it's the malacha of Makkah but nevertheless, it's a malacha, it's and it can possibly even be an issu deraisa in certain cases. The Gemara gives a few cases which are deraisa. One of the cases is a menorah, right, a candelabra, which is assembled through parts. And if you assemble the parts on Shabbos, you're chayav it's an issu deraisa, makar And another case, which is actually a little bit of a difficult case to understand, is a case of a, um, a painter's roller, which has different parts to screw together in order to adjust different lengths. If you want to paint the ceiling, you put together three parts. If you want to paint the wall, you only have one part. And still in, uh, still in use today. So assembling such a roller is also patish and is also Chayevachatas. Now that case is going to be a little confusing, as we'll see in a minute. But in any case, so when assembling a Lego project, it would seem that this is a question, a possible question of Baina. So why? Because it involves many different small pieces, which attach together quite securely. They even sell a little tool to be able to pry apart some of the smaller pieces. And when you're done, you finish a nice finished product. It's even, you know, particularly when you have those Lego project, projects where you make a car or a boat or some other kind of overpriced toy. But there's also, even if you're just doing it on your own, by the time you're done, you've created something. Now, Lego differ, differs in the fact that it's not meant to be left that way, I think. Uh, it's intend- intended in order to enjoy it to be disassembled and reassembled. So the, the, the purpose of it is not to create something as much to enjoy the process of making it and then take it apart. That's not always necessarily true, first of all, because many times certain, certain kinds of Lego sets are just designed to be made and left that way. But that is possible that it will change its status. Um, and we know that, like, for example, you're allowed to screw on and off the cover of a soda bottle, right? So even though you can screw it on really tight, uh, and if you were to try to build something that way, that would be a good way of building something, but it's not designed to stay that way. It's designed to come on and come off, even something that stays together for quite for a longer amount of time. For example, a salt shaker, right? When you unscrew it to put in the salt and then you screw it back on, it's going to stay that way probably for weeks, maybe even months. But yet, it's designed to come off and come on. So that's why it's not called Machaba Pantish. It's not meant to be permanent, it's designed to come on and come off. So that would possibly be a reason to uh, allow Lego, which is not designed to stay that way permanently, and is designed to be assembled and reassembled. This would certainly not apply to those kind of toys that are assembled once and that's it, like a model airplane, right? So if you assemble a model airplane on Shabbos, most certainly that would be a Malacha and that would be prohibited on Shabbos. There are some islam in Orbach, as far as Lego is concerned, he allowed children under 12 to play with Lego and suggested that adu- adults should not be involved in the assembly. So you can direct your child and you can advise them what to do and which piece you can find the piece for them, but you shouldn't be the one who actually puts it together or takes it apart. That's that an adult should avoid doing that. Another possible concern that can come up when Playing with Lego or other building toys like clicks or anything that you can create um, a little house is, is an Isser of Oihel. There is an Isser Durabonon, not the right but it's Isser Durabonon to create a temporary oil on Shabbat. Now, an oil is a tent. That's what literally an oil means. But the Isser Midrabanon, Chazal were Geyser in very many cases and included it under the context of an Oihal. And anytime you make uh, any kind of covering, any kind of little domicile, even if it only has one square tefach of space, so that's four inches by four inches by four inches, right, a square tefach, if, even if that's the whole amount of, of living space that you've created, Chazal still say it's also, the Gemara even talks about having uh, two Sfarim and then placing a third safer on top of those two sfarim and you've created some space in between them, Even the, the Gemara even discusses that, whether it's permitted or not, and that is and that isn't, so the Gemara says that if the space that you're creating is not being used for anything, it just happens to get you know, by, formed by itself, some negative space, then generally it's not a problem. But in the case of, let's say, Lego, where you're forming a little house, you're forming a little oil for the sake of putting little menchies in there, putting people in there, or, or you know, you're making a little toy house out of clicks for the sake of playing with it, uh, that is very probably a, uh, an isser of oil. So certainly, definitely, it's certainly something we should not be doing ourselves. Uh, and as far as children are concerned, once they're old enough to understand this nuance, then it's something you should tell them not to do. You should bring it to their their uh, attention. And including in this in isr is certainly a, a real play tent, you know, one of those collapsible and ch- children's tents. Those ones certainly can't be used on Shabbos. Those should be folded and put away before Shabbos because... Uh, those, once they're opened, you can't close it. And you can't even really move it because it's a proper oil. And by moving it, you're considered like you're recreating the oil in a new place. So those really should be put away. But uh, in addition, making a, a fort you know, is something that uh, children like to do. They like to uh, create these uh, out of blankets and chairs and you know, and couches. You spread a blanket over it and then you make yourself a little hiding place in there. That's a real question of oil. And again, if a child is old enough, that is not something that should be done. They should be uh, warned against doing that. Now, it happens to be there is a a permissible way. So if uh, children desperately need to make their fort, there is a way they can do it, and this is the way it's done. The chazal allow this kind of oil, which is really a drabana, a temporary oil, they allow it if you do it backwards. And that is if, let's say, you would have two children, who are holding the blanket in the air. That's how it starts. You have to have two children holding the blanket in the air, creating the space under it, but it's not supported by anything. And once you have that blanket in the air, then a third child or whoever comes along and slips in uh, the a chair, two chairs under it. Then being that you created this aisle backwards, starting with the roof and then creating the walls, it's allowed. This would be allowed even for an adult. So that's uh, one way you can get around this restriction of I- ILRI. If you do it properly, you do it backwards. I don't know if you can do that with Lego. I don't even know if it makes sense with Lego to do that. But if maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I'm not sure. But regardless, as far as afford Ford is concerned, that would be uh, an ATSO. That would be one way that it could be done. One other thing I want to point out as far as uh, toys are concerned is that new toys very often, even if let's say it's a board game, But when you open a new toy on Shabbos, a new board game, so then all the myriad pieces often come connected to like a plastic rod. And you need to break them off to start playing with them. And that's a very big question of Machabah because breaking off those pieces now make them usable and that's completing their usability, their vessel. So that's really a big Shiloh of Patech. So that truly, ideally, someone should do before Shabbos or or ask a Shiloh. Not all cases are exactly the same. That's something that you should try to do before Shabbos. Open up the new toy and make sure all the pieces are de- detached and broken off so that you don't run into that Makovah pacha Shiloh. Pashish teaches us the Mitzvah of Saita. The Mitzvah of Saita is about a woman who has acted inappropriately by going into seclusion with another man, after being expressly warned in front of witnesses by her husband against secluding with that specific man. And the woman, you know, brazenly in front of witnesses again disobeyed the express warning of her husband and secluded did yichud with that man and stayed in there long enough to create a question of what she did there. And that creates an aura of suspicion around her to the point where she's not allowed to live with her husband anymore until she undergoes the, the Saita process, which is necessary to clear her name. And the process as described by the Psukim and Chazal are highly, is, a, is a highly humiliating process for her, very humiliating. But as Chazal repeatedly stressed, she brought this upon herself because even if she didn't sin, even if she's innocent, she is not clear. She's not truly innocent because she did seclude herself brazenly in in front of witnesses. And that was a a big act of pritzos and it created real chashad on herself, real suspicion. Now, if she did indeed sin, then drinking the water will bring about her death. But otherwise, it'll clear her and she'll be allowed to go back to live with her husband and it'll actually bring blessing upon her. Now, right after the Parish of Saita, the Torah teaches us about Nazir. The Nazir is a person who accepted upon him or herself not to drink wine or any derivative of grapes. They also don't cut their hair and they are careful not to become tamay from a dead person. And this is an elevated level of holiness. It's called a Nazir al It's a certain measure of godliness that a person is bringing upon themselves. And Chazal comment, as brought by Rashi, that the reason why Nazir follows immediately after the parasha of Saita is because if someone sees, he witnesses the damage and destruction that can be wrought by losing control of oneself, uh, of sinning, they see what happened to a Saita, he should do something productive about it and and do something to, 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 to change in order that that doesn't happen to them. And the suggestion is, Except Naziris, stop drinking wine. Wine is something that brings a person to to sin. The Sefer, Chidushai Halev, beautiful Sefer, makes three wonderful points here. I don't know if we have time for all three. And each one leads into the next and helps us understand how to internalize the message of Saita and Nazir and to make something productive out of it. One thing the Saita has to do before she drinks the water, she has to bring a carbon, namely a carbon mincha. Now, typically, a carbon mincha is comprised of flour, oil, and levina. Now, levina is an incense. It is placed on the mincha and then it's removed and put onto the mezbek where it burns and makes a, 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 good, a good aroma. Her mincha, however, does not have oil and does not have incense. It doesn't have levina. Just flour. The Gemara says, why? Because it's the mincha of a sinner. And we don't want it to be beautiful, and we don't want it to be aromatic. But Rashi quotes a different Chazal. The Chazal say, you know why we don't put on levina, particularly? Why don't we put on this incense? Because the Imahois, Rachel, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, they're referred to as levina. Where are they referred to as levina In Shershir, Perik it says, I'll give us, Levine, I'll give us a Levaina. So the Baruch goes and looks at the Give Us the, the hills created by our mothers, uh, the, the Imayas Hakadashis. So the Emmaus, Sarah, Rivka, Rachelaya, they're referred to as Levaina, and this woman, she departed from their ways. She didn't follow in their path, and therefore we withhold Levaina from her Mincha. It's not appropriate for her. So, Kedusha Elayim says, like, this is fascinating. The Imais were holy and elevated beyond belief, right? And, and understanding. They were neviis they spoke to Hashem, they demonstrated character traits of such holiness and refinement that we can barely, you know, wrap our heads around it. And is it truly held against this lady that she didn't follow in the paths of Sarah Riv, Rachel, and Leah? Is that the minimal expectation of every Jewish woman? And without doing so, she's be, she is to be humiliated. So he explains, no, that's not the point here. The point is that Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah created a path for all of us to follow. They demonstrated the ultimate in being a Jewish woman, how to be a tsenua, how to be holy, how to be forgiving, how to be merciful, how to be kind, and how to exemplify all the holy traits that a Jewish woman can aspire to, and a Jewish man. Every single person has to try and emulate the Imayas. Now, it doesn't mean you have to reach their level, but we all have to ask ourselves, because I'll say, in when will my actions, my deeds, reach what the Imayas and, and, and others achieved? And this woman, this Saita, she clearly didn't have that mindset. That's not where she was headed. That wasn't her aspiration. And therefore, we remove the levina from her Mincha. She's not a representative of the Imayas. She's not following in their path. Now, what this means is, is that every person has to focus on growth. The way to focus on growth is to have a goal. And it can even be an unattainable goal. A person has to have an aspiration. An aspiration could be way, way higher than is possibly achievable. But as the saying goes, if you shoot for the stars, you can hit the moon. The Panovich Arav used to say that when he would share his plans in the early days of Eretz Yisrael, how he wanted to build a yeshiva, he wanted to build a dormitory, he wanted to make a girl's school and a boy's school, and etc. All of which he eventually achieved. But at the time, you know, there was no money, there was no nothing in Eretz Yisrael. People were fighting for their existence and people would laugh at him and they would say, you're dreaming. And he would say, yes, I'm dreaming, but I'm not sleeping. (laughs) means, yeah, I have a dream, but I'm doing something about it. I'm, I'm aiming for it, and I'm, I'm not sleeping. I'm going to do everything I can to achieve it. And when we learn about the Abbas and Imai's, of course we know we're never going to reach their level, but we hear about their deeds and it inspires us. We wish we could do something like that. We wish we could be as welcoming and as kind as Avram Avinu. We wish we could have the dedication to Torah and honesty that Yaakov Avinu had. We wish we could be as forgiving and sensitive as Rahul was. And when we hear these stories and we're growing people, we find ways to better ourselves. We and bring a little bit of these midas into our life. That's growth. That's what you have. When you have aspiration, when you have goals, you constantly seek to become better. And if a person is a growing person, that itself protects us from falling into these kind of traps, these kind of sins that a site to fell into. That itself is enough of an inspiration and motivation to enable us to withstand the wiles of the Yetzirah. And it's a very encouraging thought. We all have things we struggle with, but know that the fact, the fact alone, that we struggle demonstrates that we still have a goal that we're aiming for. And aspiring for that goal gives us the strength to prevail in that struggle eventually. My daughter just forwarded to me a, a small clip of Rav Biederman, Schlita, where he was telling a muscle of the Chavitz Chaim. The Chavitz Chaim said, Someone who's struggling with the Yetzirah, you sometimes you feel bad about that. It feels as if we're sinners, we're chaytim, simply because we're bad people, because we're struggling with the Eitzahara, because we're fighting with him, we're entrenched in such, a, such an issue, and we have to work hard not to fall into that particular sin. But the Chavitz Chaim said that, No, now you have to realize you're in a gold mine when you're struggling with that. He says, look at someone who's in a gold mine. He could become a millionaire if he works at it. So what does he do? He picks up a shovel. He picks up a pickaxe and he digs and he hacks away and he gets covered in dirt and in dust and he becomes a wreck. And people look at him and he says, what is with this guy? Why is he all dirty? But he laughs at that. He says, why am I dirty? I'm, look what I'm going for over here. There's gold in front of me. So the Chavetz Chaim says, when you're entrenched in a an and when you're fighting with Yetzirah, you have gold at your fingertips. So yeah, you become dirty. That's the nature of the struggle. But when you win, look what you walk out with. And that's, that's just a, an encouraging thought in the Siat HaDishmaiya, that we need to prevail in our struggle, if we focus on the growth, if we focus on our aspiration, if we have a goal in mind, that itself will do so much to bring us there and protect us from falling into an Avera. Now, the next point made by Chazal, as Rashi quoted, is that someone who sees the, the destruction brought about by a sight of sin should refrain from drinking wine. That's what a Nazar does, in order not to fall into the same mistake. Now, the Chidush Lai brings another chazal where he demonstrates that not drinking wine is not even going to help you. Nah, it Maybe it'll do something, but it's not really gonna help you. A person will still can have a tremendous yet zuharah and a tremendous pull and inclination towards illicit relations, and not drinking wine is not gonna do the trick. Because chazals say that if a nauseer stops drinking wine, then Hashem tells him, okay, now that you stop drinking wine, now I'm gonna to reveal to you the secret how to protect yourself from sin. It sounds like the not drinking wine itself is not going to do the trick. He needs Hashem then to come and teach him how to protect himself from sin. So what's the reason then to not drink wine if it's not even going to help you? Why is that the solution? Because i say, oh, you saw to stop drinking wine. That's not even going to help. So the truth is that we find ourselves in this quandary often. We know what we struggle with. And we know that we've tried many times to conquer this particular bad habit, bad midah or vera. And it's difficult for us to make an effort and try to take on something when we think that it's not really going to help. You know, I know myself, I'll still be very tempted, and and even refraining from this, it won't save me. It's not going to save me. Let's say, for example, someone struggles with saying Lashon Haram. They find it very difficult not to share gossip and share the hack. They want to make a difference in their lives because, as we mentioned earlier, they're growing people. They have aspirations. They have a goal. They've gotten to step one. But they also know that when the juicy tidbits come their way and they have the opportunity to share it, it's almost impossible for them to hold back. Even if they accept upon themselves some small measure of protection, they make a, a maximum feed for an hour, or they avoid going to certain websites that disseminate large quantities of Yatav of Lashon Hara, they still know that they'll find them out the info and they're going to want to share it. So what point is there in even distancing themselves that little bit? Another example, someone struggles with temper, with keeping their patience. They lose control, they yell, they lose their cool and react in ways that they later regret. They know that when someone pushes the wrong buttons, it's very hard for them to hold back. So why bother accepting upon themselves to take steps to avoid those situations that set them off. Why should they make the effort to avoid certain encounters, to engage in certain interactions that they know they'll test them? Little kabbalas, yeah, it'll help a little bit, but they're not going to avoid this. And they're going to know that they're going to keep on getting angry. The situations are going to find them regardless. It's life. So this is the connection of the two parishes. That's what it's coming to teach us, the Chedush says. It's true, drinking wine is a small step, and it's not going to do all that much in protecting a person from arius, that sin, a a tremendous sin of illicit relations, and if a person suffers from those temptations, it's going to be a small shield. But, he says that when a person is in a situation of if a person is in a situation of danger, personal, physical danger, you do anything you can to protect yourself, even if it will only protect you a little. Right? We know and look at us here, right, when, when, when there's this danger of, of disease hovering over our heads, we do everything that we can to distance ourselves from it, even if they say it'll only protect a small percentage, it'll only uh, delay the onset of the disease. Whatever it'll do, we don't care. It's disease, it's sickness. We have to do what we can to be safe. We have to do what we can to protect ourselves. And if we would have that approach to the reality of sin, we would have the same idea. We would say, okay, whatever I could do, let me do. Whatever I could do to limit the Nisayan, whatever I could do to make the test smaller that I can at least withhold part of the time, delay it a little bit, protect ourselves a little bit, it's worth it. And something we would definitely do to protect ourselves from physical harm. And here is what the next Chazal says, is that if we take those steps, then Hashem says, okay, you did that. I'll share with you the true secret, the real vaccine against COVID. Then I'll give it to you. I'll teach it to you if you've taken that step. Then I'll teach you what you really can do to protect yourself from sin. But Hashem promises a he'll give him the siyata deshmei he needs. He's going to show him the path. Something that we would not find the, the knowledge or strength to do otherwise. And, and that's the essence of Avedis Hashem and siyata deshmei. That even though the goal seems very far off and very distant and very hard to achieve, we have to keep our eye on that goal, and if we keep our eye on that goal, we do whatever we can to get there, even little things, even if it will only take us a little bit of the way there, because then we get the Seyat HaDeshma'ah we need to get the rest of the way. So the lesson that we can internalize from Saita and from Nazir is that the extreme importance of constantly focusing on growth, always finding to weigh, ways to keep those goals, make those goals, even if they're far off, even if they're very distant and very difficult, keep on aspiring towards it and keep on making those little things that we can do to keep sin away from us, lessen temptation, make the nisayin smaller. All those safeguards and efforts that we can make to grow will ha- reap tremendous benefits. It'll keep us growing. It'll keep us aspiring. We're in a gold mine. We'll get tremendous sechar even while we're getting all dirty and fighting with the Yitzhah Haram. And in addition, that will ensure us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will teach us the real secret, how to get out of the problem, the real siyata jishma'i we need to truly overcome and reach those goals that we're aspiring to. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, give us the siyata jishma'i we need to reach goals, to have goals, to aspire and to grow and to become greater and greater in Yerushalayim and Abedish Hashem. Have a good night and a wonderful Shabbos.